Good morning, everyone. Today is Tuesday, March 2nd. We are in March again. I think we started doing this in March of last year, so that's exciting. It is a beautiful day in North Texas, about 50 degrees out and not a cloud in the sky. I don't know why I feel it necessary to give a weather report every time I do this, but there you go. Just so you know, it's sunny where I live today, and it's nice. <laughs> and today we are studying Romans chapter 6. And for those of you who are joining us who missed Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry I did not post it yet on the podcast. It'll get posted later today, so you'll be able to find Romans chapter 5. Uh, you can always find it, though, here at the Abiding Grace Facebook page. The video is available at any time to watch Romans chapter 5, one of the most beautiful chapters of the Bible theologically. And so today we continue with Romans chapter 6. Paul makes some points in Romans chapter 5. And in Romans chapter 6, basically Paul is ready to uh, have an, an, an argument with an imaginary person, someone who would uh, basically argue against what he said in Romans chapter 5. That doesn't make sense. That's not true. And so uh, Paul uses Romans chapter 6 then to kind of make counter arguments to that which uh, he's expecting people are going to argue against. In Romans chapter 5. Okay, let's get started. Romans chapter 6. We are going to skip verses 1 and 2. We're going to come back to them a little bit later. But right now we're going to go verses 3 and 5. Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Romans 6, verse 5. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with the resurrection like his. I think that that is a verse that I have read as part of the liturgy of every funeral I have ever done. Incredibly powerful words. A promise if we have been united with him in a death like his, and he says that we have through our baptism, then we will certainly, certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Powerful promise here. So baptism, let's talk about baptism. Most people think that baptism is a washing, that in baptism our sins are washed away, right? That's not true. That's not what baptism is at all. It's not a washing. Baptism is a dying. You have been buried with him by a baptism into his death. That's what verse 4 says. Uh, baptism represents death. It represents drowning, right? And in Paul's day, most people who were baptized were adults. Very few infants were baptized. We as Lutherans, we baptize infants. Well, why? Well, because very few families were Christians. Like, it, basically, most people at that time had to leave their family to become a Christian. And so it was a lot of individuals, a lot of individuals coming to be baptized. And so there weren't a lot of children in the early church. Basically, it was a lot of it was about a lot of younger people, uh, uh, a lot of younger people who were who were leaving their family and the parents were not following them. Right. Because the older you get, the less likely you are to change. Right. And so the younger people would come, and they didn't have children. So, uh, so the, Paul says that baptism is a dying, and it's a, a, a part of joining the church, being part of confessing faith. Uh, 
But for Paul, it was a dividing line in someone's life, right? The person you were before your baptism is not the person you are after your baptism. We believe that, that it's a dividing line in our lives, that on the days of our baptism, we are, uh, we are claimed as God's children. We have been given the promise of eternal life. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and so the moment we are baptized, our life changes and our eternal life begins. We can almost think of this as two, two lifespans going parallel to one another. We have our earthly lifespan, the day we're born, the day we're born, the day we die. And then we have parallel to that is another lifespan, our eternal lifespan. And our eternal lifespan begins on the day we're baptized and it never ends. It never ends. So um, a little bit more about baptism back then. People were immersed under the water, immersed, you know, completely, totally under the water, uh, uh, symbolizing a watery grave. And uh, when they came out of the water, they were rising to new life, to new life. The, the old life was gone. The old life was gone and the new life begins. So uh, baptism is a dying and we, because it's a dying, we have been united with Jesus in a death like his. So certainly we will be united with him in a resurrection like his. Okay, now back to verses one and two and verses 12 and 13. I'm going to put those together. Remember in verse five, he says we are justified by grace through faith and that there's no way to earn it. So then verse one and two. What then are we what then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies. Do not uh, to make you obey their passions, no longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. Okay, so basically what Paul is saying is, you know, because we have grace, do not go out and sin so that grace may abound, right? Do not take advantage of God. Do not take advantage of God's love. Do not take advantage of God's grace. Do not sin just because you know you will be forgiven, right? Christians are called to be committed to a different kind of life. A different kind of life that starts after we're baptized, right? The, the baptism is our dividing line. And so for those of us who are baptized as children, we don't remember life before it. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't work to be living a transformed life, right? Uh, you know, to live a life of righteousness, to be members, uh, to get, present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. As instrument, so as God's holy instruments is what God uses to spread love and light throughout the world. Uh, but Christianity, it's important that we understand this. It's not, it's not an ethical change. Becoming a Christian is not an ethical change in life. It's not, okay, now, I used to do that because I believe that, but now I believe this, and so now I'm going to do this. It's unity with Christ. It's unity you know, with the, the God is with us, and God is partnering with us in life. God is walking with us. You know, We are united with Christ. God is with us, and so you know, this ethical change, it's not an ethical change. It's This righteousness happens because we allow the God who is in us and the God who is with us to work through us, to speak through us, to live in us, right? I had a professor in seminary who used to, I used to he walked in when I said, are you ready for class today? He said, no, but the God in me is, you know, this idea that all that we do is God working in us. That's how we become instruments of righteousness. 
You know, if we see that God is with, if we see that God is with us only to you know help us accomplish the things that we want to accomplish, well, you know, that's not unity with Christ. That's God being our helper and God being, you know, like a genie in a lamp that we rub the lamp when we want God and then we put God back in when we don't. Instruments of righteousness means letting God, letting God work through us at all times. So verses 16 through 19 and 22 through 23, I'm putting together. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were entrusted, and that you, having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Verse 19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Verses 22 through 23. But now that you have been freed from sin and enslaved to God, the advantage you get is sanctification. The end is eternal life, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want to start with verse 19, right in the middle. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. It's almost as if Paul is apologizing for using the image of slavery for the Christian life. But it was a reality in the world, and it helped to explain how Christians should live. When Paul mentioned slavery, he was mentioning something that everybody would understand, right? He was using it as an image that everybody would understand because slavery was so prevalent in the world. So basically what he's saying is Christians give complete control of their lives to God. Let God be your guide, right? It's Luther's third use of the law, that the Holy Spirit is with you to guide you, to help you through life, to show you what is right, to show you what is wrong, and to show you where you should go and what you should do. The, this process is called sanctification, as it says in verse 22. The advantage you get is sanctification. Uh, it's the road to holiness. It's the ways in which we become better. It's the ways in which we become righteous. Not because we do it, but because God is doing it in us, right? And so we allow God to do what God is going to do in our lives, we open ourselves up. We, you know, as part of Lent this year, one of the things we've been talking about at church is trusting God. And by trusting God, one of the things that happen is sanctification, that, that God changes us, that God makes us instruments of righteousness, and that we are sanctified, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has done and God is continuing to do. And so we give control of our lives over to God, right? Give God control. And then verse 23, for the wage of sin and death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. The wage of sin is death. The Greek word for wage, opsonia, which is a military word that means what a soldier gets paid for risking his life, uh, that you, that's your payment for your sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And the, the Greek word there is charisma, which means a totally free gift given to someone in the military. A Greek scholar would probably say something like charisma, something like that. I can't really do it, but anyway. It's a totally free gift given to someone in the military for like a soldier's birthday. There would, uh, they would be given a gift. Or when there was an, a, a new king, a new emperor, might, uh, as they take over the throne, might hand out a free gift uh, to the soldiers. So uh, grace is a free gift and eternal life is a free gift uh, given to us by God. And so, 
you know, we trust in God and we listen to what God would have us do, not because we earn anything, but the gift of God is eternal life. Uh, and so we are grateful for this wonderful gift that God has given us. So there's Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans, a powerful, powerful chapter in Scripture, or a powerful book of Scripture, and a lot of wonderful theology. And I uh, hope you enjoyed today, and uh, hopefully you're all caught up with where we are uh, right now through the first six chapters. Okay, we will close there with a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the free gift of grace that you give us, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the promise of eternal life. Uh, We thank you for um, coming to us in our baptisms and being with us throughout life and pray that you guide us so that we may be instruments of righteousness and proclaim your love and light all around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone, stay safe and we will see you soon.